0: Hello everyone, it is, it's been a long day, it's been a long week, I hope yours has been better than mine, Um, but it is time for this, the 120th trip down the homeward path, my name is Adam, and you are listening to me share my thoughts on how to improve at Magic the Gathering on a limited time and financial budget during the free time that I have driving home from work so most of my week has been spent playing standard and honestly not really gaining much insight into the format but i do have some things i'd like to share but we're going to get started like we normally do with our first segment every week or every episode at least uh, budget spotlight budget spotlight is brought to you by our sponsor at puremtgo.com If you are a Magic player in need of content, I don't care if you play paper or digital, you owe it to yourself to go check out puremtgo.com. They have something for everyone. And if you are an MTGO player, don't forget to check out their sponsor at MTGO Traders. They, well before I had anything to do with them directly, I did a lot of MTGO ordering through them by choice. They are my favorite vendor. They are the easiest ones to deal with. And you don't have to worry about giving the cards back. They're yours. You just buy the cards. So with that in mind, let's dive in. Budget Spotlight is a segment where we highlight an uncommon, a rare, a mythic, and a card that is geared towards commander play that I feel like are worth more than their current price tag would suggest. Our uncommon this week is a card I am sure a vast majority of you that play standard are sick to death of seeing but it's still here nonetheless. That card is Ruin Crab. For those of you who don't know what this is, haven't played Standard for the last year, haven't played against the Mill deck in Modern, haven't seen this thing at all. Let me tell you what it does. It's a one mana zero three 3 with Landfall to make each opponent mill three cards. So it has value beyond Standard, which is really important. For Budget Spotlight this week, I wanted to focus on cards that either are currently in standard or that have recently been in standard. Oh, okay. Either cards that were are currently in standard or have recently been in standard. But with that in mind, that gives us access to cards that are standard All-Stars or were standard All-Stars that have potential beyond. And Ruin Crab fits the bill because, I mean, Landfall is way better in formats that have more ways to put two lands into play at a time. In the case of, you know, Pioneer, you've got more ramp spells. You've got Still Fabled Passage after Rotation. And you've got, um, cards like, I'm, I'm drawing a blank here, uh, cards like Splendid Reclamation, you've got cards like, uh, Dryad of the Elysian Grove, like there's just a lot to choose from as far as ways to get additional lands into play, or you can just max out on stuff like Fable Passage, Evolving Wilds, or, um, Oh, I'm I'm drawing a blank. My brain is foggy today. But again, it's it's faster in modern thanks to actual fetch lands and prismatic vista. And it's better in Pioneer because Pioneer games tend to be a little bit more grind oriented, so you have more time to let it do its thing and it will mill somebody out or just provide the little burst that your rogues deck needs to get off the ground or underground as the case may be uh it quickly turns on two of my favorite cards as well those being drown in the lock and into the story because like the first trigger you get off this thing turns on drowning the lock full stop like you play this on turn one, play a land on turn two, Drawing and the Lock is live because you can counter their three drop even on the draw. And then into the story, you know, two activations and them casting spells turns it into four mana, draw four at instant speed, which is, I don't know if you know this, really, really good. Just really good. I don't know about you, but I like really good, really good rate, like really good rate cards, really good efficient magic cards. And for very minimal setup cost, you get one of those. Ruined Crab is a really big part of that. It also links arms with its old buddy, Hedron Crab, when you look into Modern, allowing you to, you know, reference a South Park episode and talk about crab people while simultaneously turbo-milling your opponent out by getting them for five cards or more every time you drop a land or crack a fetch land. So, Ruin Crab for the low, low price of $0.75, $2 for the promo version with the, uh, the alternate border and art. I mean, that's not a bad price for what is... Essentially a cornerstone card for an entire archetype across three formats. So moving on to our Rare. Our Rare is Prismari Command. For those of you who don't know what that is, and you are probably more numerous if you only play Standard, because it is not, surprisingly enough, despite being the best, in my opinion, of the Command cycle from Strixhaven, none of them are very highly played. Prismari Command is one, a blue and a red, instant, choose two, and your modes are two damage to any target, target player draws two, then discards two, create a treasure token, or target player creates a treasure token, or destroy target artifact. So right there on the face, you have two Kolagons Command modes on a card with other things to pair it with besides return a creature from my graveyard to my hand or my opponent discards a card instead of getting shatter and shock attached to raise dead or uh, like the worst discard spells you get faithless looting or a ramp spell stapled to your shatter and shock that's really good Also worth noting, the other two lend themselves to a myriad of synergies, so I'm a fan. Whether it's the form of discarding cards for graveyard synergies, or just to clean your hand up, because you know you've got a lot of uh, bullets and one-ofs and you're trying to use it like the fair decks did looting, or if you're just trying to use a treasure to turbo out a five drop a turn early. Or you want an artifact on the battlefield to destroy with indomitable creativity to make an Ulamog into your opponent's face. I don't know what you're about. But that'll help you get it. And all of that, you know, we make the comparison to Kolagon's Command and Fismari Command's only $5. Kolagon's Command's like 20 25 So you get half of a colagon's command with two other modes that are arguably more sorry loud trucks on the road arguably more beneficial for a fraction of the price (laughs) really hard to argue with that Uh, our mythic this week is a little bit of a cop-out because it is a card that is not very good in standard but it is very good in older formats particularly when we start looking at formats like Modern and Commander. And that card is Velomachus Lorhold, and I probably butchered that name, but that's how I'm going to say it, because I don't know any better. <laughs> it is five red and white, legendary creature, dragon, I don't know, wizard, elder dragon, whatever. I'm not... elder dragon, wizard, I'm not sure. Creature types are largely irrelevant here, other than that it's, you know big flying dragon uh five five flying vigilance haste so offensive and defensive gets over the top you know all the things you want out of your seven mana flying dragon because on top of that it's got a stupid card advantage ability strapped onto it because why wouldn't it that's that's how these things work nowadays you can't just have a big creature it's got to do stuff and do stuff lore does Whenever it attacks You reveal cards You reveal seven cards from the top of your library And then you can cast an instant or sorcery With with mana value Equal to or less than Lorehold's power For free So I'm just going to rattle a few off Just kind of off the top of my head Time warp That card that's banned in historic Because of the Interaction with lorehole Another one. Another good example. Relentless assault. Extra combat phase. Chance for glory. Take an extra turn. That's <laughs> three mana. When <laughs> you lose the game, or glorious end. End the turn. At the end of the next end phase. You lose the game. Like whatever you're doing right and that's just five drops or less once you get this thing up to six or seven power it can actually just keep hitting extra turn spells we have one in standard right now if you get this thing to seven power it can cast Allruns epiphany and if you chain two of them together you win the game because you attack for five make two bird tokens take an extra turn attack for seven take an extra turn make two more bird tokens attack for nine that's lethal <laughs> got him. <'em. laughs> hashtag combo uh but yeah the long and short of uh villamacha Slurhold is a big powerful wordy dragon go burr because that's what it does you resolve this in a deck that is built around what it does you will kill someone that is the entire point. And all of that for the low, low price of $5 a copy in paper. That mythic is $5. I mean, yeah, that shouldn't check out, but it checks out. And last but not least, we have the only card on the, the budget spotlight this week that is not currently in standard, the Locust God. Which is 4 a blue and a red, 4-4 four, four, legendary creature, uh, insect god I believe it is. Whenever you draw a card, create a 1-1 one, one locust token with flying, a 1-1 one, one blue and red locust token with flying, and then for 2 a blue and a red, loot, draw a card, discard a card. And then if it dies, it returns to your hand at the beginning of the next instep. Notably, it has to die. It can't be discarded. It can't be exiled, obviously. It has to die. Can't go back to the command zone and then come back to your hand. It has to die. As far as an entry point for commander that is easy to start with, this is it, right? It is a very this card dictates precisely what your deck wants to do. This thing is a neon signpost that says, hey, draw some cards. You know, brainstorm, make three tokens. Pour over the pages, draw three, untap two lands, discard a card, make three tokens. Chart a course, draw two, discard one, make two more tokens. They all have haste. Impact Tremors Triggers, perforos Triggers, Attack. As a commander or as a part of the 99, it is unbelievably easy to do infinite things with the Locust God, whether it involves setting up an infinite mana combo to trigger its ability to draw your deck, or just using an infinite loop to draw cards and just make enough 1-1 tokens to kill everybody. Whatever the case may be, for between $3 and $4, depending on which uh, non-invocation version you get, non-masterpiece version, that's not a bad place to start. $3 to $4 to get your signpost easy-to-build-around commander that only wants you to draw cards. Perforos Impact Tremors, you know, War Storm Surge, you can play all of those, Pandemonium, whatever. It'll put a bunch of damage on the table. So that's going to wrap up Budget Spotlight and take us into our second segment Brew of the Week. Brew of the Week is brought to you by our other sponsor at Grey Viking Games. We have an affiliate through them. The link will be in the description down below if you're watching on YouTube or on the Constructed Criticism website. Uh, or will be posted shortly as a pinned post on uh, uh, the Facebook group and Patreon. Brew of the Week is where I highlight a deck archetype that I feel like is either underplayed or undervalued. And this time around, I'm going to look at one that I think offers an entry point into two formats. And I'm going to try to do more of this deck archetypes that offer you an entry point with clear ways to upgrade from one format to the other or to be able to shift back and forth. And I want to talk about the red prowess decks. And I know it doesn't sound like this is gonna be budget friendly because Ragavan is obnoxiously expensive, but you know, come to find out you don't have to play Ragavan in your deck for it to be good. Will it make it better? Probably, because it's just an obnoxious magic card. It's, It's $100 for a reason or more, depending. But you don't have to play Ragavan. And in Pioneer, you don't get to play Ragavan. It's not legal. It's not available. So the core concept of the deck, if you don't know what the Red Prowess deck is, it's a stereotypical red aggro deck that is heavy on burn spells. It is blisteringly fast and powerful enough to justify spending on stuff like Soul Skarmage, Lightning Bolt, manamorphose anything of that nature that you are apprehensive about buying into. First of all, Lightning Bolt's a staple in like five formats. Just get them. They're $3. Just go get them. We've spotlighted it before, and it's still $3. Get your Lightning Bolt. Uh, Monastery Swift Spear and Soul Scar Mage are the beating heart of this archetype. They link arms with cantrips and burn spells to deal a ton of damage, and they they look so unassuming at first, right? You're like, oh, that's a 1-2. Every time you play a non-creature spell, they get bigger, and then you go like... Turn one, Soulscar, turn two, Swift Spear, Lava Dart, Lava Dart, attack you for six. They're like, excuse me? Turn three, Metamorphose, uh, Lightning Bolt, light up the stage, attack you for <laughs> eight. Oh, oh, it's that kind of game. Gotcha. Like, you just deal so much damage with this deck. <laughs> so quickly and then the neat thing about it from a core concept level is the core creatures monastery swift spear uh soul scar mage and some form of two drop that either provides card advantage or you know another big dumb body uh most recently the most recent implementation the most recent iteration i did of the deck featured Kiln Fiend at the two drop slot, but you don't have to play that. If you wanted to play a Pioneer version, you could play Dreadhorde Arcanist because it casts all of your burn spells again, which gives you another Prowess trigger and is a Wizard for Wizard's Lightning so that you can play Bolt in Pioneer. (laughs) But... The, for, the, the core creatures remain this largely the same between the two formats, which really makes your investment go further, because outside of maybe looking at some format-specific stuff for Modern, most of your investment is tied up in the cards that you're going to use between both decks. Cards like Swift Spear, Soul Scar, Light Up the Stage, uh, and your favorite Basic Mountains. In my case I played 18 different basic mountains But that's beside the point For customization This is where things get really interesting And this is why I love this archetype Because you can splash a whole bunch of different colors Into this deck You you only really want to splash one color at a time You don't want this deck to start getting into Three or four color territory Because you really want to play a red one drop On turn one every game But If you splash blue and you've got the finances, you get some more premier threats because you get cards like Sprite Dragon and Stormwing Entity, which are additional really good prowess creatures. I mean, Stormwing Stormwing is functionally a three drop. 3-3 Flying Prowess that fixes the top of your deck, while Sprite Dragon is a 2-mana Flying Haste Super Prowess, because it's permanently bigger. Which is both better and worse against cards like Claim the Firstborn, or um, Acro and War, or anything resembling those. But I digress. Black, you get access to cards like Thoughtseize, and Fatal Push and Inquisition of Kozalek when you start looking into Modern. You get hard removal and disruption which still trigger prowess so you can fight through more and bigger creatures while dealing damage. It's difficult to justify a Black Splash because sometimes your cards will be dead. Either your opponent will be empty-handed, you need to deal four and you draw Thought Seize and you end up having to like pay two life and cast a thought or you know, pay two life, cast a thought seize and not get a card out of it and potentially not get there if they have a, uh, a trick of some sort or, you know you draw a removal spell against an empty board and you really need to deal four damage and you've only got the two prowess creatures and not for nothing black also opens up Luris as a splash can play Lurrus as companion and be able to access some grindy elements post-sideboard if that's something you want to do. Be aggressive in game one and sideboard into a more grindy deck. You're allowed to do that. Nobody says you can't. Green adds another solid threat in the form of, uh, what, Dragon's Bane Guard, Dragon Scale Guard. Uh, The 2-drop 2-2 Magecraft put a plus 1, plus 1 counter on it from Strixhaven. It's another Sprite Dragon. It's, you know, 2-mana Super Prowess. But it also triggers on Copy for weird niche things, if that's your bag. But you also get potential blowout cards like a Tarkas Command or even Domri's Ambush, which is a little embarrassing at times. But Atarka's command is just a blowout. Because you're like, everybody gets plus one, plus one. Deal three damage. Uh, also, my creatures get another plus one, plus one because of prowess. So, I cast one spell and attack for nine. Or I cast one spell and hit for nine. Because I get two three threes and dealt you three damage. And with... You know, Dreadhorde Arcanist, you can cast Atarka's Command, pump the team, attack, cast, Ar- cast Atarka's Command again. And you just kill them from 15. I'm just like, oops, not sorry. And then the one that I'm looking into the most is the White Splash because you get a really powerful one drop in Clever Lumomancer because, let's be honest, all your stuff dies to removal. Everything you play dies to removal spells they all die to lightning bolt they all most of them die to like a shock or a two damage to all creatures clever lumamancer represents sort of your step links you play this card because you want to kill your opponent as quickly as possible it's step links it's a Kumelhound. hellhound it's you know a toolcraft exemplar it's i guess it's not toolcraft exemplar it's the other one, the Metalcraft one, they got plus one, plus one, plus two, plus two, and an artifact entered. I can't remember the name of it from Mirrodin, but you get the idea. It's it, Clever Lumomancer is a one drop that will just kill your opponent dead sometimes. You know, you one drop Clever Lumomancer, turn two, crash through Defiant, strike attack for four, five, attack for five with trample. With cards on deck to do something again next turn, like it can solo somebody, and then on turn three you go like Swift Spear, Guiding Voice plus two two damage burn spell and Pioneer, and you're you know attacking for one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight plus the damage from the burn spell. Like, it's just a lot of damage coming very quickly. And it represents a threat that your opponent has to deal with in order to not get run over, and that just frees up your other creatures to do their jobs. Modern also, as I, I made the notes again, Modern introduces Kiln Fiend into the equation if you want to go that route, wherein you can play cards like Team or Battle Rage or other double strike enablers in order to just Absolutely annihilate your opponent out of nowhere. Or you can just trust that uh, Crash Through plus Metamorphose plus Burn spells will get you there. Because Crash Through gives Trample, and if you cast, like, Metamorphose, Crash Through, Lava Dart, Lava Dart, your Kiln Fiend kills them by itself. So, you know, that'll do a thing, as I like to say. As an outlook, this archetype feels like it's evergreen. It is a solid litmus test for the format, regardless of which one you're talking about playing. You are all gas, no brakes. Just go get them, and I either get there or I don't. You set the pace of the format. You set how slow your opponent's deck is. You are the fundamental turn. As an entry point for both formats, I feel like this deck is unparalleled. Because unlike Burn, which was the previous sort of generic entry point into modern Pioneer Legacy or Modern and Legacy back in the day, this deck can win games that Burn can't because it's built around attacking with creatures. It will lose some games that Burn won't because it's built around attacking with creatures, but regardless, it's a deck that offers that little tinge of versatility, that little bit of play that you don't get out of Burn because you're a little bit less linear and a little bit more kind of classic mono red. And I love it. It also gives you a clear upgrade path if you start with Mono Red and you just go tear up some FMs for a couple of weeks. You get prize packs. You can trade cards you got out of your prize packs for store credit or trade cards you got out of your prize packs to other players. Work on getting the stuff for Izzet. Get your expressive iterations because that card's busted. Start working on getting into Izzet. Or you can start with the Mono Red Prowess with the Dreadhorde Arcanist plan and gradually work your way into Thought Seizes and Inquisitions and uh, removal spells and village rites and uh, Croxas, and work your way into the Rakdos Kroxa deck starting with the Prowess deck. and you can actually sideboard back and forth between both configurations if you build the deck right, which I think is really cool so, as an entry point for a format, I think this this deck is just fantastic. I love it. So now that that's all out of the way and we've burned 28 minutes of your time, let's go into our main topic this week, which is brought to you by our patrons. If you are a fan of what we do, head over to patreon.com slash become a patron, take advantage of your rewards. At $1 a month, you get access to the Patron Pathfinders Discord, where we admittedly have not been having the amount of discussion I like to have, but I'm looking to fix that. At $3 a month, your deck moves to the front of the line if you submit it for Brew of the Week. And at $5 a month, I'm going to make you your very own episode. We are going to write an episode about what you want, so if you like what we're doing enough to keep help me keep doing it head over there become a patron and take advantage of your rewards. Our main topic this week I titled it the digital age. And I did that because first note tagline here magic is changing. That's not a you know paper boomer shaking his fist at the sky saying get off my lawn, but it's changing. And that's not something I'm saying for better or worse. That's you know, I'm not forming an opinion here. This is I'm stating a fact. Magic is changing. The COVID-19 pandemic forced a strong paradigm shift among a large portion of the player populace. Those of us who took the precautions to protect ourselves and, other, and the protect ourselves and our families at the expense of what would normally be our social lives. We were forced, essentially, to relearn how to experience magic because most of us did it primarily in paper. We played, we played digital magic to figure out what we wanted to play at paper events. That's why I started playing Arena. That was initially why I started playing Magic Online back in the day. You know, and now... We don't have paper events yet Or if we do They are relatively small We don't have the big signpost You know This is what you're building towards Paper events We just don't This compounded the already reasonably Successful launch Of Arena pushing Digital Magic As the safest mode Of consumption That's not to say you can't play Paper Magic at home or in stores or with friends or whatever. But by and large, digital was promoted really heavily because it was safe. That's, again, not an opinion. It's a statement of fact. This has led to multiple eSports organizations, one of which I need to apologize for sort of co-signing a few weeks ago. With the news of what's been going on with Inside eSports, please do not sign up for their events. They are not paying the people who win uh, prizes from them. They are not paying out their prize support and they are generally just, you know, word and news has come out of the scummy behavior that they've been in, in, embarking in, embarking into, and I cannot co-sign that organization. So please do not waste your time playing their events anymore. That out of the way. It's led to multiple esports organizations jumping on the train, be it Star City Games, Channel Fireball, Uh, I'm sure there are others that I am just not thinking of right off the top of my head, and I'm not going to try to look it up while I'm driving. But they're offering weekly, monthly, quarterly tournament series digitally, which is good. But what does that mean, right? That's the question everybody always asks. What does that mean for Magic? Why is this important? Magic has, to this point, largely existed to blur the line between competitive TCG and social experience. That's, again, not an opinion that's a statement of fact. Everybody will tell you the best part of Magic is the gathering. Yes, the game is incredibly fun and incredibly diverse. One of the deepest gaming experiences there is because the game is so customizable. There's so many different pieces you can use. But at the end of the day, it's only as much fun as what fun you're having while you play. And you have the most fun when you play with other people. Digital, on the other hand, seems to attract primarily the competitive players who are seeking to refine their skills and become the most efficient magic players they can be, winning as many games as possible in the smallest amount of time. So by promoting digital as the safest way to consume the game, but competitive players largely being the ones that were populating that space when they started, it creates a little bit of a hyper fixation on formats. Formats get solved very quickly. The competitive realm, more eyes are on formats than ever, especially in standard and historic. It feels like standard gets solved two or three weeks in with a deck popping up every now and then to take advantage of it like most of the standard format has remained the same since Adventures of the Forgotten Realms dropped and oh by the way that hasn't been that long ago but still Sultai Ultimatum remains one of the best decks and that's because you could adopt new cards and the deck is still really 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 good Paper by contrast seems to be trending the other direction With more interest than ever in modern, commander, and even custom formats like pre-modern, tiny leaders, or pauper, or what have you. That's to say, where digital magic seems to be focused on competitive gameplay and trying to become the most ruthlessly efficient annihilation machine you can, paper magic feels like it's becoming more and more about the experience you are trying to cultivate while you're playing the game. And that's not to say either one of these things is bad. I, I need to be very, very clear about that. If Magic is, for you, a fun escape from the real world and you don't want to play competitive, you don't have to. Nobody is telling you you have to. Find a group of people who feel the way that you do. Play brawl games with them. Jump on Magic Online and play weekly Commander games with them if you can't get out and do it in paper or don't want to get up and do it in paper because you don't feel safe. That is completely acceptable. Spell table is another example of something that has popped up during everything that has really sort of helped keep paper magic alive, if I'm being honest. It's not something I've gotten to take advantage of because I'm not in a position where I feel comfortable streaming over a webcam with my children. I don't want my children's faces out on the internet. There are a lot of loud cars on the road today. Just a lot of loud cars on the road today. But Commander games with Spelltable have become a big viewing experience on mediums like Twitch, YouTube, whatever. But at the end of the day, whether you want to become the most ruthless, efficient, magical murdering machine you can and rack up all of the w's ever recorded or you just want to sit down and kill two hours and have a really good time on spell table or with friends that you know and trust are safe all of these are valid ways to experience magic i don't need to i i can't under i can't oversell that point So how does this affect your average Magic player, the people who were kind of in and out on both sides? Someone like myself. What this means from a finance perspective is formats that don't see a ton of paper play are experiencing a price floor. Prices are going through the floor, I would argue. Standard Pioneer prices are plummeting. The push towards digital in these formats as a number of people just shedding entire collections and decks that they built because they never they never get to use them there's no point in keeping them so why should i coupled with less interest in these at the local level it's great if your area does play them if you've got a local game store that still plays standard if you've got a local game store that still plays pioneer especially because of the historic renaissance and then modern horizons injecting new life into that format pioneer kind of falls by the wayside a lot and that is really good news if your local game store plays pioneer because your prices go down prices going down is good for everybody i would argue because lower prices means more players that can afford to play magic and more players playing magic means more people i get to play magic against and i like that It also means the formats that are in high demand from a paper perspective are going through the roof. Modern in particular, Modern Horizons 2 and other recent releases like the Strixhaven Mystical Archive, Strixhaven itself, Adventures in the Forgotten Realms, they have massively revitalized the format Changing sort of what everything was about between Ignoble Hierarch, drawing people to Jund, actual affinity cards being played in modern again. Uh, it it just it creates a huge boon in the price of staples. Things like enemy and allied fetch lands, which are the same price point right now. Between the Modern Horizons reprint of the enemy fetches and the fact that we haven't gotten a reprint of the allied fetches since Cons of Tarkir, they're both sitting around 40 bucks right now. All of them. All 10 fetch lands are sitting around $40, meaning your entry point into a modern format, if you want to get play sets of all of your fetches to just never have to worry about lands, is like $4,000 and then you've got to get shock lands and your other specialties. I don't know about you, but that's not something I'm really super interested in. That's why I like the mono red decks. But what that means from the standpoint of the average player who doesn't have an astronomical disposable income or doesn't have a bunch of cards from back in the day that they don't have to buy these things is this puts a really big onus on picking the right deck, sticking with it, and carefully managing your budget to try to upgrade it. Modern has always been a format that rewarded mastery more than deck mobility, in part because of the pricing, but also in part because of the nature of the format. It's so big, it's so expansive, that it is impossible to game plan for everything. So mastering your deck gives you an advantage. Now, last but not least, the last thing this does to affect average players, what this means for the average player, Commander is firmly the most popular paper format. I never thought I'd say those words. I can vividly remember days going to my local game store and... Brian Canada having to build four decks so that he could get a four-person Commander game going because nobody had decks. That's obviously sort of taken on a life of its own. Now he's got over 700. But I understand why Commander is popular. I'm I'm not going to pretend I don't. It's customizable because... As Mark Rosewater has famously said on several occasions Restriction breeds creativity And creativity breeds a customizable game experience Which makes things a whole lot more fun for everybody involved Everybody gets to pick the kind of game they want to play And all of them become at least somewhat valid Depending on what you know whether or not the power levels are similar and all of that And it's a very social gameplay experience On the financial side, there's also a lighter collection burden because you only need to get one of each card. This makes it easier to justify spending on higher-end staples because you only need to get one. Crater Hoof Behemoth is not expensive because of Modern. It's expensive because of Commander. Soul Ring, despite being reprinted into the ground is still three dollars because you can play it in every deck you know there's a there's a spike or stability in format staples be it cards like the the various mana rocks that the format is sort of built around or card draw staples weird niche cards that are just absolutely perfect for the gameplay experience in commander or really popular Commanders or cards in popular Commander decks. Whatever the case may be, you've got a lot to choose from. And recent card design has also impacted the format, stuffing it to the gills with options. So what's my takeaway from all this? First and foremost, I'm not playing paper standard again until I have a good reason. I am in the process of downsizing anything and everything that I got for standard. Specifically for standard. If I'm not planning on playing it in older formats, which I'm also downsizing a little bit. If I'm not planning on playing it in older formats, I'm not keeping it. There's no reason to. (laughs) From there, in paper, I want deck cores that are at least somewhat viable in both Modern and Pioneer, only swapping, only changing cards because certain cards are not available in one format or the other. You know, is it Prowess is a really good example because in Pioneer, you get access to Treasure Cruise, but in Modern, you get access to Metamorphose, Lava Dart, and Kiln Fiend, for example or Sleight of Hand and Serum Visions if you wanna play those. So when it comes to like what I wanna do with Magic right now, a lot of my focus, most of my time spent playing Magic is gonna be spent doing it digitally because my nearest local game store is about 30 miles away. I still have not gotten clear signals on sort of what the safety precautions are are that are being done there. So I don't feel super comfortable going on a regular basis yet. I really want to go and check it out. And from the standpoint of Paper, I mean, it's a relatively new local game store, so we can kind of mold the crowd. And the best investment is going to be formats like Modern, pioneer and pauper where you can just play the same cards forever so that's what i would ideally like to be able to see players go into because you know like for pauper it's a really small barrier to entry and then you get to play your deck forever unless it gets banned because you built chatterstorm because you're a bad person (laughs) um and then on the commander side of things, it's fun. I like playing commander. I love playing it. It's a good experience. It's a good time. We did it during the modern benefit tournament. But I'm not going hard into commander. I'm not, I'm not falling all the way into the rabbit hole where I'm trying to build 30, 40 decks. I'm just going to play one or two that I like and change it up every now and then when one gets stale or I just, you know, I don't enjoy playing one when I do play it. So that's going to wrap up this week's episode, everybody. I hope you enjoyed it. If you've got questions, you've got comments, you've got concerns, leave them down below in the comment section. And while you're down there, don't forget to like and subscribe if you're doing this on YouTube. Uh, We will be back. I'm not sure when. My schedule's been kind of erratic of late, and for that I really would like to apologize. Uh, It's just been really hectic. Tennessee is in a weird place when it comes to COVID. That's left me in a weird place mentally, and it's been really hard to get, like, engaged into anything other than worry. So, with that in mind, let's take the worries away, if I can get this pulled up. And go into one of my favorite segments every week, or every episode, hashtag mtg dad jokes load come on recents oh we don't have it never mind we don't have any this week i am disappointed i thought we had some i remembered seeing some oh well so no jokes this week sorry somebody put a pontiff of blight on them uh it was a waste the mind has been stripped of dad jokes. So with that in mind, again, you've got questions, you've got comments, you've got concerns, send them to me on Twitter, at HomewardPathMTG. Uh, join the Facebook group, Homeward Pathfinders. You will find myself and several others in there uh, posting and commenting. If Again, if you are a patron, you can head over to the Patron Pathfinders Discord. You will get a link when you become a patron again questions comments concerns suggestions I'm here or if you just need somebody to talk to you know because things are going crazy right now everybody's going through something you never know what someone else is dealing with the world is in not a great place right now so with that in mind when you're interacting with others please remember always try to be nice, never fail to be kind. So laugh hard, build good decks, be kind. We'll catch you next time.